Good to see all of you guys this morning. I hope you're all well. So my name is Rat. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're just not on Snapchat yet. Shane's really pushing for it. He's a big fan. So we'll hopefully get there down the line. Um, ugh, I'll explain it later. Um, it's nice to be back. Last week, Shell and I were up in Kloof. We're at West Point Church with um, our friends Brian and Caitlin Barnes, who some of you would know. It's just really cool to be with that church plant that's been going about a year and a half and just seeing what God is doing there. You know, they had a wonderful baptism after the service. Just wonderful being in other churches and other school halls, just seeing the gospel going out and people starting to know and follow Jesus. And I guess churches in different places doing the work of God, which is very, very special. But today we're carrying on with our Knowing God series. I think one of the things I've really loved is chatting to some of you guys and hearing kind of the hunger God is stirring in some of your hearts for Him and also just um, seeing some of the things God is doing. Like, so Barney mentioned our Tuesday evening time together, but it was a wonderful time of worship and prayer. There was a real hunger in the room for God more than anything else, which I thought was just so beautiful. And I'm excited to see week in and week out as we fast and as we pray what God continues to do with us. But last week, Kimmy preached so well on hearing God speak by the Spirit. And I'm kind of carrying on with part two this week on hearing God speak through the Scriptures. Now, I realize some of you are maybe here today and you're kind of asking the question, can I even believe that the Bible is God's word? You know, coming here this morning, you're just exploring church or exploring Christianity or thinking about Jesus. And today we're going to talk about how God's word is an authority for all of life and how God speaks through the scriptures. And that can be a big jump if you're just visiting here today. You know, you might be sitting there thinking like, like this book that you can buy at exclusive books or a shopping center or maybe even a grocery store. How can this book be the word of God to us any more than another holy book or another religion's book or the Lord of the Rings or whatever your favorite novel or whatever is, how can this book we can buy in paper form have authority over all of our lives? It is quite a big thing to think about. And I don't have time to do all of that background today to kind of cover that well enough, but we did preach on that about two years ago. So if you want to go on our website, harbourcity.co.za, you go to our sermons tab, click on our tough question sermon series, and you can listen to about a 35-minute talk on that, just to hopefully give you a bit more of a foundation and understanding about why the scriptures can logically, historically, scripturally, philosophically, even prophetically, be trusted as God's word to us and an authority for all of life. But really, the scriptures for us as a church and for most churches around the world are They are our foundation, they are our authority, and we believe they are the inspired words of God to us. And we want to know them. We want to understand them. But you could be sitting here today, and you believe exactly what I've just said. And at the same time, you sit down in your lounge in the morning, and you open up a Bible, and you just find it hard to know what to do with it. Like Anyone in that camp? I know when I was 12 years old, I became a Christian, and I was told, you're meant to read your Bible, and you're meant to pray. So good Christian boy that I was, I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. And I think every night, now I do it in the mornings, I would spend a little bit of time reading the Bible and praying and going through this book. But in all fairness, I had no idea what was going on. I was reading the King James Version of the Bible, if you know that. The ones who are laughing know, the others are like, I don't know what that is. The King James was written in about the 1500s. So there's a lot of these and thines and thous in there. And legitimately, I think there was a lot of confusion as I read through, just not fully understanding what was going on or what the author was saying or just struggling just to decipher some of the language. And some of you are sitting there thinking, you're so dumb, Grant. Like, why did you not go to a Christian bookstore and just buy a more modern version of the Bible? And the honest reason is I didn't know you got that, you know? Like, you don't with other books. There aren't multiple translations of the Lord of the Rings. That if you go to exclusive books, you say, I'd actually prefer, like, 
a 1990s translation of the English that would help me a lot more. So I didn't know there were multiple versions. And you might be reading the NIV or the ESV or the NLT or the Message or whatever you're reading today. I had the King James. That was the Bible I knew. It was the Bible I had. It was the Bible I was reading. And it was tough. And as this good little 14-year-old, I decided I'm going to read through the whole Bible. If I'm a Christian, I should read the Bible and know what it says. So probably over a year or two, I decided I'm going to read through this book and try and understand what the Bible is all about. And honestly, I did it, but I probably only took in about 30% of what was going in. The more narrative bits, the story bits, the stories of people's lives, the stories of the people of God. But there was a lot that I found really confusing and hard to understand and hard to absorb. And then I had this really big moment. Someone gave me a different translation of the Bible. It was the CEV, the Contemporary English Version. And all of a sudden, it was like the lights went on. I understood what was going on in the Bible. I was reading things I'd read before, and it was like there was a light shining on me. I could understand them completely. And maybe just an example of that was Romans 13, 13. I remember reading this verse, and for me, it made a profound impact on my life. Because in the CEV, it said, don't go to wild parties. And I read that, and I thought to myself, I have been going to wild parties. And if this is what God's word to me is, then I'm going to cut that out of my life. It made sense. I just thought, some of these places, there's things going on that are not a good influence for me if I really want to follow Jesus. And I keep falling into these same habits and patterns again and again and again. Probably, I should stop going there, not cut those friends out of my life. I'll still see them, just in different environments and at different times. I went back and I read that verse in the King James Version. And it said, don't go to orgies. And I don't know about your upbringing. I don't know what your lifestyle was like. That was never really an option for me growing up. You know, None of my friends were like, Hey, Grant, I'm doing this thing this weekend. I don't know if you want to come. So reading that in the King James, I was like, this doesn't really have any bearing on my life. But reading it in a different version, all of a sudden, there was relevance and there was truth and there was application for me. And really what happened is the Bible has always been relevant and true for our lives. But sometimes what happens is we're not seeing the relevance. And over time, what's been wonderful is I've studied the Bible more and more, is I've come to see how every chapter, every book, every passage, sometimes every sentence has got relevance for our lives and is applicable and can change our lives and help us to know and follow God better and more fully. Now, if you're new to the Bible today, the Bible is not just one book. The Bible is 66 books that are part of this library that were written by over 40 people over 1,500 years in a whole bunch of different literary styles. And they are all telling one singular unified story of the redemption plan of God throughout history that is realized and finalized in Jesus Christ. It's really a work of art and an amazing achievement. And we want to read this and understand it as followers of Jesus because this is something that Jesus and the scriptures prioritize. Actually, the Bible is central to our lives and to our knowledge of God. So it's very relevant for us in this series. I've mentioned this before, but a couple of years, Willow Creek Church, based in Chicago in the U.S., did a study called the Reveal Study. And they spoke to 1,000 churches, 250,000 people, and they filled in this questionnaire really about how they were changing or what impact the church was having on their lives. And they found this bit of information, that nothing has a greater impact on spiritual growth than personal reflection on Scripture. That's quite a big deal. The other thing they found out in the study is only one in five people would read and engage with the Bible every single day. So that means if that's true of us, Harbor City, 80% of us in this room are robbing ourselves of knowing God more and of greater transformation and change and revelation and insight to life because we aren't opening the scriptures and engaging with God well through them as regularly as we could be. Then last year, some more research came out. 
LifeWay Christian researchers published their research that the biggest factor in seeing healthy young adults who've grown up in the church follow Jesus for the rest of their lives is whether or not their parents read the Bible to them growing up. So to the parents in this room, I think that's a massive thing. Actually, that we would, as we put our kids to bed, read the Bibles to them and pray with them and help them to understand what is going on in the Scriptures. And really, research and the Bible say the same thing. In 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I just want to say this straight this morning. If you want to grow in your faith, then frequent, prayerful, thoughtful Bible reading needs to be a part of your life. Guys, the Bible is not just a book that spoke once. The, book, the Bible is a book that is speaking every single day through us as we engage with it and let God speak to us through His Word. Now, one of the big ideas of the series we're in at the moment is that God is a speaking God. Now, to some of you, that's an obvious thing. You've heard God speak to you many times and in many ways. For some of you, that might be a little bit new. But one of the things we see throughout Scripture is that God is speaking again and again and again in a whole bunch of different ways. So right at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, the creation of everything, God speaks. Let there be light. And there's light. In fact, God speaks through His Word and through His power. Everything into existence that has ever existed was spoken out by the Word of God. God also speaks to people. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden right at the beginning of time. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and a whole bunch of other Bible heroes. He speaks through prophets to individuals, and to nations. And he speaks to an entire nation in Exodus 19 and 20. God descends in cloud and thunder and lightning on Mount Sinai, and three million Israelites are down below at the base of the mountain, and God's voice thunders out to the whole nation about his will. Pretty amazing moment. Would love to have been there. In the Bible, God speaks through angels, through a burning bush, through a donkey, even through writing on a wall. God speaks in many ways and at many times through different means. But ultimately, God has spoken through His Son, Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God and His Word and His ways. And if you want to know God and what He's like, if you want to know God's will and God's priorities and God's ways, then you want to look to Jesus and start with Jesus to get to know Him a bit better. And today, God is still speaking through Jesus. And as Kim said last week, God is still speaking through His Spirit. And God is speaking to us through the Scriptures. And this week I was so struck by Hebrews 3, verse 7 and 8, that says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, present tense, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. And I was thinking about that. It carries on for the next couple of verses. But really what the writer of Hebrews is saying there is the Holy Spirit is speaking now. He wrote that 2,000 years ago. And then what he does is he quotes a passage of Scripture from Psalm 95, which was written 1,000 years before that. So he's saying the Spirit of God is speaking today through a passage written 3,000 years ago by David the king. That's an incredible thing because that is what God is doing now. The Spirit of God speaks through His Word that we would hear the will of God and know what He is saying to us. One of the other ways that we hear God speak through Scripture is through preaching, which is exactly what I'm doing right now. You know, we gather together on Sundays like this and we sing songs of praise to God and we pray and we speak to Him. We trust that God would speak to us in many different ways through each other and by His Spirit. We have tea and coffee together because God does work through community to shape us. And we do all of these things together to know God. And one of the things we do is someone teaches and preaches the Word. And we trust that God would speak by His Spirit through His Word to us. So 
this expectation in us on Sundays that we would hear something from God. And I hope there's faith in you today that maybe God would have a specific thing to say to you every time we come together to help you to know Him and grow in following Him. It's a really big deal. And Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the Word of man, but as what it really is, the Word of God, which is at work in you believers. And we've got this active role to play. I think what we can sometimes do is we just sit there passively, or we read our Bibles passively, trusting that God is going to leap out at us. But what this passage says here is that as we read, as we listen, there's a receiving and an accepting and a letting God speak to us internally. And I want to ask, are you an active engager with the Bible? Are you actively engaging as I speak now and asking God to speak to you and highlight things and challenge you and commission you and convict you that you could walk with Him more fully in your life? But how do we receive and accept the Word of God personally? I don't know if you saw this this week, but there was a really interesting news article that I was reading up about, about a church in Pennsylvania that had a gun commitment ceremony. Any of you guys see that? Maybe a few of you. So I've got two pictures just to show you what a treat this must have been. There's some people with bullet crowns on with their uh, automatic rifles in church to be blessed. Some of the guys kind of doing it with their crowns and their robes on. And it's a really interesting service. 250 couples coming together with their weapons after all of the violence that's been going on in the U.S. for God to bless their weapons. And it's going on because of this terrible interpretation of Revelation 19 verse 15 where it speaks about Jesus ruling the nations with a rod of iron. And their interpretation of a rod of iron is an automatic assault rifle. So they brought these weapons together to pray for God's blessing on them. But actually, I guess they would be protected and could use them for His glory. Now, the thing that is so crazy to me about this is if you watch Jesus' life and His disciples and what happens in the New Testament, you never see that stuff, you know? It's not like Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, thousands of people together. He says, guys, I'll be back tomorrow. We're having a catapult and sword and knife blessing ceremony. Bring your weapons, bring your spears, bring whatever you got. We want to bless those things, you know. Everyone comes together, sword crowns on, just ready for action. And Jesus bless. It just never happens, you know. But there's something going on with this community, which I'm just using as a, I guess, some kind of application for all of us, that they've taken an obscure passage from prophetic literature and interpreted it terribly to kind of justify something they want or a lifestyle they have or something that they enjoy. This is really terrible Bible interpretation. And interpretation is really key to us interpreting and understanding Scripture for ourselves. Maybe two of the most important things we can do as we come to read the Bible is firstly say, what type of book am I reading? Remember, 66 books in the Bible. What type of book is this? Is this history? telling me the story of the people of God and what God was doing with them at this time? Or is this some kind of wisdom literature? You know, Is this the Proverbs or Psalms or Song of Solomon? Is this slightly more poetic writing? Or is this maybe um, the apocalyptic writings? You know, The book of Daniel or the book of Revelation, which have crazy symbolism and metaphors, speaking about things we probably couldn't understand in a natural sense, about what is to come and what's going on in spiritual ways and all of this stuff. What kind of book am I reading and what is the context that the author wants me to understand? Andrew Wilson, a theologian I really enjoy, says the primary way of establishing the meaning of a text is to establish what the original author meant, their original audience, to understand. It's probably the way we should come to the scriptures. 
in Psalm 119. It's the longest book in the Bible, so I'm not going to read it. But really, it's an incredible passage of prayer. Someone writing and speaking to God about how much they appreciate the gift of the Scriptures. So I just want to read you the first 16 verses to show you some of the different ways that we should engage with the Bible for ourselves. Blessed are those whose ways is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in His ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I will not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. It's an amazing chapter, I think 172 verses, speaking about how precious the Word of God is and how central it is to our lives in following Him. A little bit later on, there's a verse that a lot of you would know. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that's huge for us. You know, you could be in a really dark place right now. You're confused. You don't know what's going on in your life. You don't know what to do. You need to make some decisions or changes, but really, like, everything is unclear. Have you ever woken up in a, a different room where everything is just completely blacked out and you have no idea where you are? You're trying to find your way to the bathroom in the middle of the night and you're, like, stumbling around trying to find walls and things like that. Or maybe you've been camping and it's late at night, there's no lights anywhere and you're trying to find your way around, but you're not even sure where to put your feet. That's what's going on here. The writer is saying, your word is the light to my feet where I don't know where I am. I don't know what to do. It's confusing. It's disorientating. Would you guide my feet? Would you guide my path? Because your word is wise to help me make decisions. And actually, it's authoritative over all of life. In verse 18, he prays a prayer to God as he reads the scriptures. He says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I think that's an amazing prayer for us to pray. Every time we open the Bible, it says, Lord, would you open my eyes to see wonderful things in this book? Sometimes as I read, I don't get anything. But I'm asking you now to show me amazing truth and wisdom and insight into who you are and what your ways are like. Shell and I had a really amazing opportunity last year. We were in the U.S. with a whole bunch of young pastors from around South Africa. And we were in a bunch of different meetings and training situations. And we spent some time with Tim Mackey, who runs the Bible Project. Now, if you haven't checked out their website, I really want to encourage you to go have a look. They make some amazing resources help you understand the books and themes of the Bible. And we're with this guy, and he does this lecture with us in the morning, and he starts out, and I mean, he's a hero for most of us. We think he's an amazing guy. And he starts speaking, and it was just a little bit dull. You know, we're like, we've heard this before, Tim. We kind of know this passage. We know what you're going to do. And he wanted to show the way the scriptures have been designed by God so perfectly. And he started in the beginning, and he started to talk about, I guess, the way Satan tempted Adam and Eve at the beginning of time, and then he'd hop a few chapters along, and then a few chapters along, and a few chapters along, and a few books along, and a few books along, showing us the way that happens again and again and again as a pattern. And then he'd zoom out, and he'd show the victory of God over all of these things. 
and then he'd zoom into small situations showing how these things repeat themselves. And then he'd zoom out to show the big story of God again. And he was jumping back and forth and up and down. And he ended this talk with this whiteboard full of marks and arrows and words. And it was crazy. At the end, I legitimately had no idea how he'd gotten where he had, but our minds were blown. And I leant over to Brian Barnes, this friend of mine, and he said, I shouldn't be a pastor. I have no idea what he's doing. You know, I have no idea how he got there. And for a lot of us, maybe you feel like that at times. You're just like, I don't know what's going on in the Bible. You know, for a bunch of pastors sitting in this room, we were, our minds were blown. We're like, there's so much more to this that we need to learn. And Tim Mackey's got his doctorate in theology. He spends five or six hours a day reading the Bible. He writes books. He leads a company that explains the Bible to the world. He's been a pastor. He's an amazing, amazing, educated guy, you know. But for you and I, the message of the Bible is really simple. It's of a loving God who loves you and wants to come into a relationship with you. That is the heart of what is going on in Scripture. And you can leave it there, or you can spend five or six or eight or ten hours a day going through the Scriptures, going verse by verse, line by line, word by word, trying to understand it, and just like scraping the depths of what is going on. And we will never get to the end of the truth that is in the Bible or the beauty of God or understanding more of Him. It's this multi-layered, mysterious, beautiful book that has got so much truth in it for you and I. And it is a rich place for us to get to know God. We want to pray as we open the Scriptures that God would show us wonderful things from His Word. Psalm 119 verse 11 speaks of memorization. I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I don't know if you guys experience this or maybe you've seen it in other people on tv or something but when people are a little bit stressed out that something bad could happen in the country they store up all sorts of cans in the pantry you know or maybe a cupboard or something like that just in case something goes wrong got all the canned goods we're like good for a few weeks or a few months in a sense i don't think this is a panic stations thing that the psalmist is doing but he's saying we should store up god's word in our heads and our hearts should be in there like this pantry full of supplies for the situations we're going to face as time goes on and what struck me as I read that is he says, store it up in your heart that I might not sin against you. I thought that was amazing reasoning. You know, Lord, I want to live a righteous, worship-filled life towards you. I want to prioritize you and your ways. So would you help your word to be full in me? Help me to know it and save it and store it up so that I might live a life which glorifies you in every way. And then there's meditation. Verse 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I'm sure you know a few people who they always look in different places, you know. Actually, maybe I should do this. But here the psalmist says, I've fixed my gaze. I am looking at you, Jesus. I'm looking at your word. I'm looking at your ways. That is my focus. That is what I've given myself to. It's nothing but you. You are the one that satisfies. And then he says he's going to meditate on his word. And biblical meditation isn't like the meditation you see on TV. It's not like Eastern meditation. We're not trying to empty ourselves of anything. We're actually trying to fill ourselves with God's Word and His truth that would fill our minds and our hearts. And we want to think about it and almost have an internal conversation with ourselves about what we're reading and about what God is saying and about what He's like, prayerfully thinking these things through and applying them to our lives. Psalm 119 shows us a bunch of ways to engage with God's Word. And maybe two of them that you could do are to study, get out all of those different Bible translations, get out a study Bible, whatever you've got, and actually really try and get deep into the passage. Or maybe you open up your Bible and you're reading through whatever book you're in, and what you do is you pray through some of the points that stand out at the end. You pray for yourself, you pray for this church, for your family and friends, you pray for our city and our nation, that God would do those things through us. 
but probably for all of us, the way that we read the Bible the most, whether you've thought about this before or not, is we read it devotionally, you know? We read it because we want to know God. And really, this is through the ages been called the ancient practice of Lectio Divina. And as I go through these five words, I reckon most of you are going to go, I've been doing that for ages, and I didn't have a fancy Latin term for it, you know? The first thing is silence. And we need to do this, you know? As we come to God, so often externally and internally, there's just a lot going on. So we need to shut the door, switch off our phones, switch off TVs or any noises that are going on, cut out distractions so we can be alone with God, and then internally do the same. We need to forget about work, family troubles, issues that are going on, all of those voices running around your head, and just say, God, I want to be with you. Secondly, we read the Word. We open up the Scriptures, the book you're going through, and maybe you read it aloud. So it's not just your eyes and your mind engaging, but you're hearing what you're saying. And as you go, you don't rush through it. Actually, what you do is if you get stuck on something or you've got a question that you need to ask of that passage, you just stay there for a while because maybe God is wanting to speak to you through that passage. And you start to think about it and go through it. And then you meditate on it a little bit. Actually, you prayerfully think this through and let God start to answer some of the questions about what is going on. Kind of like a wine connoisseur, you know? Wine gets poured in the glass just a little bit. You sniff it. You swirl it around. You see how it acts with the glass. Okay, it's fine. You taste it and you inhale it. That's kind of the idea of what we would do with the scriptures is we would swirl it around in our mouths and let it linger and let the truths go down into our hearts. And then we respond in prayer. Now we start to actually ask God to help us. You know, some of these things I've read, Lord, that's not my life. That's not my heart. That's not the way I think. That's not how I prioritize. Would you empower me and change me to live that kind of life you're talking about? Because that's not where I'm at at the moment. Lord, would you actually explain this to me? Would you reveal it to me? Because this is way too complicated for me. It's just all gibberish at the moment. Would you reveal your word? Lord, would you change me? Would you help me? Would you help my friends and family? And finally, we rest in God's presence and ask him to speak. The last thing we do is we just say, Lord, what are you saying to me? I've read your word. I've prayed. I've done a lot of talking. Is there anything else you want to highlight to me by your spirit? And then would you plant this word in my heart like seed? that would grow up, that you would water, and it would become actually like a really fruitful plant inside of my life. Silence, read, meditate, pray, rest, and listen. It's kind of the picture of how we engage with God through the Scripture. And if you're new to the Bible, I want to encourage you to start somewhere. You know, maybe tomorrow morning you just start in the Gospel of John. It's one of the biographies of Jesus' life. But you just start to read, and you get in there, and you let God speak to you through His Word. But I want to end with one last point, and it's this. Jesus was a big Bible guy, you know? I think we sometimes don't think about that. We see Jesus the preacher, or Jesus the healer, or Jesus casting out demons. But Jesus knew and loved the scriptures, and he prioritized them in his own life, too. I think one of the stories that have really struck me has been Jesus in the desert being tempted by Satan. And it's this amazing moment where Satan is trying to take Jesus down, and he's throwing things at Jesus to trip him up and make him fall. And he says the first thing, he challenges Jesus on his identity. And I think for some of us in this room, that is something that we're wrestling with. I think that's maybe what God was wanting to share through what Callum said this morning. Actually, God approves of you. You're a son, you're his daughter, you're in him. But actually, Jesus' identity is being attacked by Satan. And what does Jesus say? It is written. Jesus goes back to the written word. Satan comes at him again with another angle. Jesus responds, it is written. He doesn't even engage Satan on his own terms. This goes back to the scriptures. Satan comes one more time. He throws like a scripture, but he's twisting it, and it doesn't mean what Satan's wanting it to say. 
Jesus responds, it is written. Jesus knew the scriptures. He loved them. And in situations where he was tempted or troubled, he brought them forward as the basis which he lived by. This was his authority. This was his foundation. This was his hope. It is written. In a sense, he was saying, God has spoken. The Bible is my authority. That's the end of the conversation for me now. And we want to be in a similar space, knowing the word and being able to apply it to our lives in those tough moments. Jesus in Matthew 5, it also says, He came, part of his main mission in this world was to fulfill what had been written. Jesus saw all of the Old Testament writings and prophecy, and he saw that they were pointing forward to him. And he says, actually, I've come that scripture would be fulfilled in my life. He came to live the perfect life that you and I are unable to live. He fulfilled every single one of the commands and scriptures and laws and rules and regulations of the Old Testament. He lived it out perfectly because of his high respect for the scripture. And I think for us, Harbor City, as Jesus speaks and as he said to Satan, you know, I, sorry, I've lost it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Often we're looking for all of these other things to fulfill our desires, but Jesus is saying, there's a certain nourishment, there's a certain life that comes only through Scripture and only knowing it and letting it fill us and our souls that we need if we're going to flourish in God. And I'm hoping that we become a church that are Bible people. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And I'm hoping that we become this kind of church, a church that is filled and shaped by the Bible, a church that knows what it says, a church that applies it to our lives and lives it out. But this morning, I do want to say, I don't just want us to be a church that knows and loves the Bible. That's not our goal. We want to be a, a church that knows and loves the main figure, the main character of the Bible, Jesus. The Bible really points us to him and brings us to him. And that is ultimately why we want to read and know and pray through and meditate on this book. Because it helps us to know Jesus. This morning, I don't want to ask you to know the Bible more, but I want to invite you to know Jesus more. And I'm hoping that as he calls you to himself, that you would repent, that you would believe in him, that you would trust in him, that you would call him into your life, that you would follow him, and that we together would become this church that look more and more like the things that scripture speaks about. We want to read and study the Bible to know Jesus. And I ask you to stand and pray with me. If you don't mind closing your eyes, we're just we're going to end with a song, and there might be a few things that we share and pray about. But there are just three main areas that I thought God wanted to highlight. I want to pray for you. The first might be this morning, if you've never heard God speak, or it's been a while since you've heard God speak. Maybe the Bible has become a dry, dead book for you. And this morning, I'm hoping that actually God would speak through His Word by His Spirit and you would hear His voice. The second thing is you might have come in here today and you actually don't know Jesus. You know, the Bible points to Him, but you don't know Him. You might know the Bible really, really well, but you don't know Him. I think this morning, Jesus wants you to come to know Him. He wants you to enter into a relationship with Him. And the last thing is, I think that Satan is warring in some of your minds. I think for some of you here, actually, our worldviews have changed. Some of the things we've been holding to have drifted because we've moved away from what Scripture originally said. And in the Garden of Eden, uh, Satan tempts Adam and Eve like he did with Jesus. 
and he says, did God really say? I think for some of you, you feel that voice in your head. Did God really say? Did God really say? And God wants to bring you back to his word today. So Holy Spirit, I just welcome you here. And I ask you to speak. I ask you to minister. I ask you to fill us. I ask you to speak to us. We really are hungry for more of you. And we want to respond to what you're doing and enter into a fuller relationship with you. In Jesus' name.